Good morning, everyone. It is the early edition of Office Hours, but I'm in Dallas, so it's not that early this morning. But I know Mike Momola and Dave Marino are on the later schedule in the East Coast there. Welcome, boys. Easy peasy. Good morning. Good morning. We got to stay on uh, schedule today. I got to be off here at 6 a.m. Pacific time. So uh, I appreciate uh, everybody being here on time and uh, want to make sure that uh, we do this accordingly we got a great guest to start the founder and ceo of perch that's p-e is that p-e-r-c dot fit is that right jacob p-e-r-c-h dot fit oh another my, my team's on it dave dave marino it's been amazing but uh we we got to figure out who's doing these things for us all right jacob rothman's in the house and uh obviously uh we've had great experience in the athletic performance side of things i've been around the space for 35 years, been in technology since 1992, which, believe it or not, is 30 years. Um, and, you know, Jacob, I think Ivy League sports contribute more to sports uh, than anything else. And what I mean by that is, yes, they have probably out of all the Division One leagues, the fewest professional athletes, but yet uh they have changed the face of sports and you played baseball at mit uh a, a fairly good school in the ivy leagues um, yeah. and, and that's not the um what what did i call uh the michigan institute of trailer parks for jason waller but it's the actual <laughs> <MIT>. <laughs> um and uh you utilizing your own athletic experience to then use your scientific brain uh, to create a better way to enjoy sports, which uh, Perch is really a system that allows us to have the best weight training um, and using artificial intelligence and cameras uh, and software to, to boost that. And I just left Las Vegas yesterday from the UFC Performance Center, and it's incredible how specific weight training has become today because of technologies like yours. Um, where is your technology being utilized today to give people an idea of how powerful athletes like you are to changing the world of sports? Yeah, absolutely. So we, we are an early stage company. So we've been selling for a few years now, um, probably 2019. We first started selling LSU football was the first big client. But since then, we've grown tremendously. Still a small company, but we're about a dozen NFL teams right now, about 150 total clients across uh, college, professional sports, military, um, even small performance facilities. So we're growing a ton and um, really just trying to impact, kind of starting with elite athletics, but impact the way everybody strength trains. Javi, ready? Yeah, sorry about that. Jacob, what was the the biggest sort of application? Because we've all seen, and I think three of us played NCAA sports. Remember those commercials that would say, we're all going to go in pro and something else besides sports, or 95% of us. Uh, and Dave, obviously being a football player and me playing basketball and, and you playing baseball, having three of the major sports represented. What was the biggest sort of lesson that you applied from your time playing baseball uh, to your actual growth of your business? Yeah, so – that's crazy. Um, yeah, I would. I mean, there's a million different lessons that you can learn from sports that we'd apply both to entrepreneurship and then specifically like our specific product just being in the sports realm. Um, I would say just being an athlete in general, you kind of learn one balance. So specifically at MIT, you have just a ton of different responsibilities. So academic responsibilities and then balancing 
you know, being, being an athlete as well. Um, so learning to prioritize, delegate, and um, just balance all your different responsibilities. I think as a CEO of a company, it's extremely important to be able to do that. Um, specifically on more the athletic focus side, I think we realized that um, like just the, the main use of our product, being able to monitor people when they're strength training, typically no matter how good a strength coach is, they don't really know how you're feeling on a given day. So with that workout, they might've prescribed, let's say you should lift 300 pounds today. They don't know if that weight is actually the correct amount of weight. Um, and specifically if you're at an academically demanding school, you might've pulled an all nighter the night before um, studying for a test. And you don't know if like, you just might be super low energy, which means that workout that the coach wrote a week ago, you can throw out the, the window, right? Mm-hmm. So our tech essentially allows you to get real-time feedback regarding how you're performing in the weight room and then modify in real time that workout. Um, so you're not overtraining an individual, um, but also if you have a really good day, you're not undertraining the individual either. So I'd say our lessons at MIT allowed us to realize that, that um, there's so many other factors outside the weight room. And I just have to mention before Mikey goes, do not discount the athletic ability of Mike Momola. He actually uh, is an Olympic sport champion and breakdancing. Breakdancing will be in the Olympics. And I haven't seen a better over 50 breakdancer in the entire world. So I don't want to leave out the athleticism. I know we talked about three of the big four, but now we have four of the big four. We have baseball, football. And of course, uh, <laughs> basketball and breakdancing. But go ahead, Michael. That is, that is absolutely true. And I debuted it at, at Mr. Moreno's wedding. And uh, uh, that was exciting. So, yes, 2024 breakdancing will be an Olympic sport in Tokyo. Uh, good morning, Jacob. Morning. So, so I, first of all, congrats on the name. I love Perch. It, it gives it like I love these creative functional names. It gives this idea of like, you know, this kind of like Zen master sitting up on a, on a branch, just looking down perched over watching what's doing, imagining that that's what it was. And that's a great functional name. So for our audience that doesn't understand because they've heard AI, artificial intelligence, how does it work? What does it do? How does, how does what you're doing improve functional performance? Yeah, absolutely. So essentially at the the high level, we are computers and machine learning companies. So we use cameras to essentially, monitor athletic performance, specifically when athletes are training. And the product, specific product that we produce and sell right now is a small camera that you can attach to literally any weight rack. So you kind of think of it, we give a weight rack, a set of eyes and a brain. So when an athlete walks up and they work out like they normally would, we're able to monitor things like their sets and reps. So you're no longer writing that information in a notebook, but we also get a ton of information about the quality of movement. So the speed at which they're moving, their power output, some information about their form, about a dozen different metrics. Um, We display that in real time via tablet. So you think a coach would prescribe, I want you to be in this zone, kind of like a heart rate monitor, but you're more focused on power or speed. So you can give real-time feedback to the athlete, and then all that information gets stored so you can actually track an athlete's progress over time. Can I just follow up with a, the, the million-dollar question, if I can? Jacob, are, are the digital and technology coaches out coaching the human coaches now at this point, or are we not still getting there? No, not at all. We're, we're definitely a, that's never our intent. Our goal is to be a, a tool to aid and make their, make them way more precise, right? Um, make them better at their jobs. I think that's what makes sports so special is that the technology itself just enhances uh, the person. And I'm hoping that that never occurs. I know it's a great fear of a lot of people with AI and with technology in general. Um, aligned with what Mikey's asking, uh the affordability factor, you know, this seems extremely hyper-specific and complex. It seems as if I know you have NFL, NBA, MLB, NHL, MLS, NCAA, all these people using it right now. Um, 
But yet, what is it, you know, as you come from MIT and have been surrounded by technology, what is it that makes it so affordable? Yeah. So it's, um, I guess we, we've just done a really, really good job, I think, at re- like trying to reduce our costs, right? So using just what we need to in order to produce a hardware product that is minimalistic, doesn't really distract from the workout and provides that value. Um, so right now we're, we're selling our product for 1500 a piece, but we basically tier our software offering. So we've done a great job of tiering our software and our support services to provide value across every single range. So our product's really affordable for high schools, for instance, as well as like provides the value that an NFL team might need. We even have individual home gym clients, right? So it's proven to be affordable. That's a, a growing area of, a, of ours, not a focus now, but that's like um, we've proven to be affordable even in, in that market. Dave muted again. He, this is Dave's first show, so he's, <laughs> he's trying to figure this out. But we appreciate the green screen behind him because it looks like he's in a palace. It's amazing. <laughs> so I appreciate that. I'm sorry about the, the technical uh, issues here. More so than, but at least it's affordable technology that we're screwing up today. <laughs> there you go. Right? I didn't go to MIT, so there's that. <laughs> I could have got uh, into Waller's MIT, though. That's funny. We all could have gotten to there. Um, so What's the next sort of progressive approach? Where do you guys see the business going? Uh, obviously, the AI is always something that's constantly developing, and the fitness and wellness market is something that's ever developing. So, there are there things in the hopper to 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 bring it more commonly to you know in home, or where are you with that? Yeah, I, I would say there's probably two things that are we're like working on right now that will make it way more appealing to a home gym user or commercial gyms. Let's say. Um, one right now is to really focus on kind of your core barbell lifts, for instance, which are very, very valuable to like professional collegiate athletes, high school athletes, so your squats, your benches, your deadlifts. Um, that's, that's where we provide most of our value. But when you get into a commercial gym or home gym market, there's a lot of individuals that might not know how to do those exercises or might want to focus on body weight movements, for instance. So a lot of our computer vision is going to be developed towards tracking those types of movements as well and providing value there. Um, and then on the second, it's more on the data science and analytics side. So not to get too nerdy, but just right now we deliver a lot of our raw data to these strength coaches and they know what to do with it. Um, They like to analyze the raw data. They like to use it to then make recommendations to their athletes. Eventually, we're going to try to automate some of that, Um, not necessarily automate the recommendations, but um, provide some lightweight recommendations, then also a lot of visualizations. So allowing people to progress, see how they're progressing over time, get value from the data. Um, And then finally, there's going to be a big community and competition piece. So that's huge in the fitness community. You can think like CrossFit, for instance, every workout's a competition. Um, we've actually seen that. We have a leaderboard feature in our current products where you have teams of elite athletes that they get so much value just from being able to compete against the guy next to them on like their power output or their speed. So imagine creating that experience but making it global, right, and have people lifting at home or in their commercial gym and competing against one another. Um, so those are big areas that would make the tech a lot more appealing to kind of mass market Jacob, have there been, or, or I'm sure there have been, but what has been like the aha moment for you and the team where you say like, holy cow, we never thought of that, like in the way that everybody's learning based on what you guys are doing? Yeah. I don't know if there was one specific aha moment. I think we, we realized early on we were we were never shy about just trying to put our product into the wild and get feedback, right? We received so many no's early on, but that allowed us to continue to hone the product over and over again until it was actually good enough for somebody to buy it. And what we actually realized early on um, was that the most important thing was a minimalistic user experience, right? It was a easy to use product. If you go into a collegiate weight room, for instance, it's kind of, um, I wouldn't say it's like controlled chaos in there. You have like 60 guys all lifting 
and you can't, yeah. you can't produce a piece of tech that is distracting from the workout in some way. So we kind of made that realization and have focused all of our efforts on just making the product super, super easy to use. And that's really what separates us in the market. Dave, can you do us a favor? Can you remind everybody how many no's you are away from a yes? I think this is a good At least 25. So as I, as I, 25 no's before you get a yes, you should get excited when you get to like the 20th or 21st no. <laughs> Uh, you should feel granted and blessed if you get there beforehand. But uh, on average, it takes at least 25 moves uh, to get a yes. And that's just because if you are learning the lessons, you realize what it takes to get the yes. Not that the people uh, incentivize all 25 people have closed minds. Uh, the majority of them have open minds at the time you're presenting, but you're not actually there yet. So you have to le learn the lesson. But Dave, it's interesting because for the last question, as we're staying on time today, uh, as much as I'd love to spend my whole day with Mikey and Dave. Um, I always say, you know, in as the oracle of entrepreneurship, what I love to see is when bad things happen to really smart people. Uh, because when bad things happen to really smart people, good things come of it. Um, was there a certain incident that may have occurred to you being such a smart person, Jacob, that stimulated you to create this solution? Yeah, that's actually a really good question. Um, Honestly, yes. Uh, so we score it. Don't worry. We keep scoring. Great questions. I got points for that. Great questions. Don't tell you until the end or else you'd be serving them up all the time. But anyway, go ahead. <laughs> um, so I actually, uh, when I was a college athlete at MIT, um, I did. So I only played a few years at MIT um, due to a few injuries. And one of those was actually a herniated disc in my back uh, strength training. So our, our solution is not necessarily meant to prevent injury, but it's a meant to meant to allow people to train smarter in the right way, like allow ensure that people aren't overtraining. Um, but kind of herniating a disc in a weight room, like it still impacts me today. It's a like it's a bad injury when you hurt your back. It uh it kind of forced me to start thinking about is there a way to train smarter, right? Is there a way that you can prevent this type of injury for people in the future? Um and that kind of sent me on this path. Um there's a bunch of other reasons we started the business, right? But um certainly that kind of made strength training really impactful. Uh, important part of my life. Amazing. And I really appreciate wearing the maroon t-shirt. So we equal out the balance of the white golf shirts of Mike and Dave. Thank you for reading that memo. <laughs> we got, we got complete uh, synergy here between our guests and our friends. This is amazing. Jacob Rothman, check it out. Founder and CEO of Perch. Perch is the cutting edge, affordable, efficient, effective way uh, to get the best and most out of your performance training. Thanks, Jacob. Come back and visit us soon. Awesome. Thanks, guys, for having me. Thanks, Thanks Jacob. Jacob. He's the perfect straight man to my comedy routine, by the way. I love guys <laughs> from MIT. He's almost as good as a straight man as Dave Murillo, who never smiles. But, oh, 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 oh he's still not smiling. There he is. Look at the size of that. Name that movie. What was that? Uh-uh-uh. Yeah, Tumbo commercial. No, 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 no. I'm doing a little bit of Tumbo <laughs> coffee. Uh, all right, we go from one genius to the next. We got Dr. Otto Jenke here, and I'm trusting my notes as always. And you know that Dr. Otto Jenke is a genius because grass does not grow on a busy street. He's with the Empire Longevity uh, Chief Pilot, which I love the title of Chief Pilot. Longevity is obviously an objective that most people should have the non-negotiable in their life. I will repeat this again. If you are healthy, you get as many wishes as you want, and you get to want those wishes for much longer. If you're unhealthy, you only have one uh, wish. Now, you state there's six words 
that changed your life. Is that correct? Absolutely. First of all, thank you for allowing me to be with you. I'm going to change the uh, the parameters on this today, and uh, I'm going to ask you a question, David. And uh, in Empire Longevity, uh, the the definition for longevity has been for millennia. It's, it's someone's long life, which is the most uninspiring definition of a word ever. Made. <laughs> into longevity so we had to upgrade the definition to the act and intent of being so healthy that you you leave something great behind by what you've done today can i ask you what's what's going to be your longevity what's the thing you're going to leave behind what's the dent you're going to make in the world kindness so my uh my legacy my longevity is i'm going to leave a kinder world uh people who know how to enjoy the consistent persistent pursuit of their potential uh, via kindness, so it's real simple. I, I know, I know it, and uh, it, it's it's my journey. Uh, that's that's massive. That's absolutely huge. Um, and thank you for that. Uh, the six words that uh, changed my life were given to me by my mother in the last two months of her life. Um, my mom died of of a terrible, terrible disease called idiopathic pulmonary fibrosis, which is idiopathic, we don't know, pulmonary lung fibrosis, scar tissue. So the inside of her lungs turns into scar tissue. And it's a two-year process and it's a 100% mortality rate. And you watch you watch someone start to slowly suffocate and it's, it robs you, as much as it robs them of air, it robs you of, of life. And it, it's, it's, it's horrible. Well, she pulled me aside one day and she, we call it the Pope wave. She gave me one of these things. And uh, she pulled me aside, and, and after she asked me to to get the priest for her, which was staggering, she, as she's gasping for breath after she, after she has walked ten steps, and she had to stop twice during that time. I'm sitting on her on her stool, and and she says to me that um, without your health, you have nothing. And I couldn't comprehend that or put that into into motion at the time because I was overwhelmed by her health status. But a couple of years later, that that has become tattooed on my heart and etched inside my brain. So we have taken that and asked many people to step forward. And how can we help your next decades to be your next best decades? And so we, we opened up Empire Longevity. And it's not about it's not about eating right, but we recommend you do that. It's not about just exercising. We recommend you do that. It's not just about about uh, finding you know, space inside your head to to rest and, and focus. But we recommend that. It's it's all of these things all together because that's what the people who live the longest on earth do. And so we engage people to do that. We show you, we we inspire you. And sometimes quite frankly we kick you in the ass along the way to do that. Dr. Jenke, uh sorry for your loss with your mom. It sounds like uh, you, you've turned that into you know transforming the impact in the world uh based on those six words your mom mom said to you so we thank you for that you've come to the right group michael mola who's like rubbing his chin here is like one of the biggest subscribers to health as wealth and oftentimes inspires me and dave to, to eat better and, and follow some of his his habits uh, one thing i find with with my overall health journey and is that we and many people is that there are places where i'm a lot more committed Right. I'm a lot more committed to going to the gym every day, but I may not eat clean every day. Um, how do you all help folks a get more committed to a holistic approach and b the biggest challenge aside from that is consistency? Right, Because we all do something for right. a week, two weeks. And, and David will tell you how long it takes to, to build a habit, which is 
21 days in a row of the same activity. Am I right? Minimum. It depends on your genetic inheritance, right? If you're an alcoholic, it's going to take you a lot longer to change that habit because it's genetically and energetically stained in your conscious or unconscious competency. Yeah, so, so those are my two questions. Consistency, Dr. Janky, and, and how do we get folks to buy into the holistic approach? Fantastic questions. I'm asked that on literally a daily basis. Uh, and so the first thing is that um, the consistency is, I can ask you, you do things on a daily basis consistently and you've done them for decades. I can ask you, how many times have you brushed your teeth? You've already brushed your teeth today. You're going to brush your teeth tomorrow, next day, and you're going to do that. So first of all, we have to give you the option to know that those things are here. We don't have to exercise every single day, but your plan is to do that on a regular basis. So we give you that option. Understand that that's what the healthiest people on earth do. The numbers that have just come out in America are that 25% of people do not move at all. And 75% of children, school-aged children, are not reaching their, their phys ed requirements. And we look at that and say, my dear Lord, we know what the tsunami coming down the, down the street will be. It will be a tsunami of terrible health. Uh, we know what it will be. Uh, we have been programmed in America to believe right now that standing is a form of exercise. We need to raise our game and understand that this is what we need to do to go forward. I want to be able to laugh, live, and love as much as possible. To do that, I need to be in my, my better health. To do that, I need to get up and get going on a regular basis. You don't have to go to the gym every day, but you have to do something every day. You don't have to go power lift every day. You don't have to run a marathon, but you have to do something every day. You know, our, yours and my uh, grandparents didn't call it exercise. They called it life. Uh, my, my wife's grandmother would walk daily one mile to go get groceries and come back. Now we call that the farmer carry, where she's carrying weights and walking. We call it, I mean, I have to go pay someone to show me how to do that when she was doing it, 95 pounds doing that on herself. So that's the very first thing. Uh, the second thing is the consistency and doing that. Uh, that once you start the program and you feel how great it is to feel great, uh, we'll get you into that. That's no problem. But you have to start. And once you start, we got you. Doctor, I think you just inspired. Good morning. My, my next great T-shirt, which is do something. Um, so <laughs> thank you for that. <laughs> thank you for that. Uh, I know that, on that uh, I'm already working on the trademark for that. So awesome. It's all yours. Take it. I'll, I'll buy the first one. Um, I know Do that so. in addition to being an award-winning winemaker, you're also a, a punk rock uh, band member. And uh, it reminds me of one of the things I was, uh, I'm involved in. I was doing a few years back was driving Henry Rollins and I may be dating myself. Uh, for just, saw him, just saw him speak uh, last month incredible speaker right yeah I mean, just an amazing speaker i was driving him back to the airport after he spoke at our mesa music festival and i said what you know what gives you the competitive advantage what what separated you from the rest of the world and he said to be honest with you mike i only eat once a day that keeps me a little pissed off and, and a little hungry literally and and figuratively and i thought it was genius right and and it made me think about it so what, what really triggered in my mind when he said that was he knew himself, right? Like he knew what worked for him. So how important is it for us? Like, I know that I run like an alligator. So like Dave said, you know, I work on breakdancing or jujitsu. 
or the things that work for me? How important is it for us to know ourselves so that we know what we should work on? It, that's a fundamental key. We and we anticipate in my practice and in, in Empire Longevity, it's it's absolutely fundamental that you understand what your goals are. They're not mine. What your longevity looks like. And one of the things we're going to start doing is I'm going to ask you guys to start at the age of 100 and start looking back and start looking at what 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 can I do now to make sure I get there. But when I get there, I look back and say I, I fulfilled the steps along the way. I love to lift. I love to lift. And I love the buzz of lifting. I'm not going to be a, a bodybuilder by any means. I'm, those days are, are long gone. <laughs> but I do that because I love the buzz. I love the energy of that. I was in a, up there at 545 this morning. Uh, I do exercise. I, um, I will uh, do cardio. And, you know, we talk about the five aspects of motion. I do all five of those. Uh, I learned how to re-swim. Uh, it was Can not, I ask what they are? What, what are the? Because I don't know what they are. What are the five, the five aspects that we talk about in Empire Longevity? One is one is uh, cardio, and the cardio doesn't mean you have to run marathons, but you have to be able to walk sustainably for a while. Run, it, you have to be able to do that. Uh, number two is power. Uh, one of the funniest things is that we recommend you be able to lift yourself, which is staggeringly tougher and tougher to do in America now. Uh, three and four or five are the ones that are most overlooked, which is flexibility, balance, and posture, uh, especially the flexibility and balance. We know that um, I think it's six or seven people fall every hour to break a hip, and that will change your life dramatically instantaneously. Uh, American healthcare wants to focus on strengthening the, the hip. Empire Longevity says, how about we don't fall? Uh, and so we build you better that way. And uh, you've, you have learned to not be flexible. You've learned to lose your balance. If you can lose that, then let's, let's put the same time and energy and focus into regaining that. Last question, uh, Otto. Why chief pilot? You know, I see chief heart officer, chief this, chief that. What was your intention of being a chief pilot? Uh, someone who leads you and guides you someone who is along the, the flight along with you. I'm doing those things also. Uh, same thing with you, uh, David. I, I have those times. I'm not 100% all the time, uh, but I try. And so the pilot is someone who's in the plane along with you and flying, and he has a map. And I'm a firm believer you need to have a map in your life. Uh, and then sometimes, as the plane does, because of winds, storms, and other things, it needs to course correct, is that we will do that along with you. It, health and longevity is much, much simpler than, than we've been told in America. Uh, it's, it's, your, it's your blueprint. It's your default mechanism in your, in your body. And we're going to get you back into that and allow you to, uh, to engage for, with you, with other people for the next number of decades. Yeah, not just rain and winds, but uh, French fries, right, Dave Marino? <laughs> oh, yeah, I saw that. I got him to laugh. Uh, I, I got my straight man to laugh. This is a great day. Lapping's a really key element to longevity as well. I always ask Much. Dr. Uh, Jenky, I ask people who are over 100 all the time, what's the secret to life? And the most common answers are, one, <clears throat> laughing, you know, li literally just laughing. Two, having one drink a day which I find interesting and three, lots of sex. So, um, and you can pick your partner or yourself. I don't care, but enjoy <laughs> all three of those. Laugh a lot, have one drink and uh, <laughs> lots of sex to everybody. 
We love longevity, empirelongevity.com. Check out Dr. Otto Jenke. He will help you along the way. Let him be your pilot. He knows what he's talking about. Awesome. Let's have you back again soon. Thanks for joining us. Anyway, I can help you. Let me know, please. You're amazing. Thank you. Thank you. Take care. I laughed twice on that segment, by the way. Yeah, man. I'm getting Dave, funny. Dave, should, should, should those three things occur uh, individually or together? Is uh, well, usually with me, they're all together. Um, but that's a good one. <laughs> I was going to say something about Davi, but let's move on. we got to stay on time today. I'm pressing at 6 a.m. Pacific time uh, exit. We have Andrew Bryan in the house, founder in Self-Leadership International, and he has a new book. Uh, and I like it, obviously, because it's aligned with uh, my podcast, New Leadership Playbook. Uh, and the idea of it is how are we being human while still successfully delivering accelerated results. Welcome to Office Hours, uh, Andrew. How are you? I'm really good. Thank you, David. I was uh, listening to the previous segment and uh, I turned 61 last week. So uh, uh, I, I, I resonate with everything that's been said. And uh, if you did your due diligence, you would know that my first degree, I graduated in 1982 as a physiotherapist. So you know, everything in terms of you know, health, longevity, eating right, exercising uh, have been part of my modus operandi, uh, my codification for my entire professional career. And no better thing to, to be or do or pay attention or give attention to. Um, what I find interesting in the title of your book, uh, which, you know, I think is a must read, uh, is the way that you reconcile time. Uh, because so many people uh, don't have acceleration in their life. Even though the universe is expanding, growing, and accelerating, uh, they are not in symbiosis or synergistically working within the context of accelerating the outcomes, not attaching their emotions to those outcomes. Um, how important is time and your relationship with time to the new leadership playbook? Good question. Actually, I haven't been asked the question in that way before. Um, firstly, we don't manage time. Young, so, so most people don't think the way that I do. That's that's great. And I, I, I love it. I love Mike, a curve. Laugh. Come on. Uh, yeah, I love a curveball. So firstly, we don't we don't manage uh, time. We manage ourselves in time. You know, that is self-leadership, isn't it? And the, the reason I wrote this book is that there is a paradox in leadership between delivering results and delivering results quickly. And let's face it, if you're a leader or a manager and you don't deliver results, your tenure is limited. It is, it's going to time out real fast, right? So we have to deliver results. And then we, we, have to be, we have to bring our humanity because if we deliver results but we burn out our team, then, you know, in fact, we're going to go slower. So sometimes yelling at people doesn't make things faster. In fact, since I'm speaking into the U.S., the Navy SEALs have a motto uh, that is uh, smooth is far, uh, smooth is far. Sorry, what is it? Uh, 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 smooth is fast. Uh, hang on, what is it? Something about being more smooth and therefore you get, ah, oh, slow is smooth, smooth is fast. Took me a moment to get there. There you go. Um, and and that's, that's the key about time, isn't it? It is, it's about being efficient and effective, Right. Sometimes we can rush for something and we mess it up. 
by taking a few moments to reflect that classic Franklin quote, you know, if I had seven hours to chop down a tree, I'd spend six hours sharpening the axe. So I, I think when you ask me how I respond to time and your previous segment is about knowing self, when, are, when am I most efficient? When am I most effective? What do I need to arrange as for my self-leadership and leading others that I get the best out of people in the most efficient time? Love it. I'm glad you brought, <clears throat> brought up the seals because it's going to segue to my next question and someone that I follow a lot, uh, Goggins. And one thing that he says is, uh, and a lot of people say, is that motivation is, is temporary and, and, and discipline is permanent. And I know that one of the, the core factors in, in, in your leadership uh, playbook is, is motiva- motivation turning into influencing the right behaviors that ex- drive accelerated results. Do you feel that motivation is temporary? And how do you, if you feel that way, how do you elongate that or make motivation become more of a permanent state of being? So again, another great question. So for me, all real motivation is intrinsic, right? We, we motivate ourselves. I mean, we can be temporarily motivated by external factors. But for me, motivation is internal. Now, the great Zig Ziglar, the motivational speaker, sales speaker, used to say, motivation is like taking a shower. The effect is not permanent. And uh, I, I sometimes get billed as a motivational speaker. And there's a great meme of the guy unshaven with a coffee mug in his dressing gown and his wife saying, who would believe you're going to give a motivational speech in the next hour, right? We, we have all had those down moments and where we don't feel motivated. But where the discipline comes in is you are disciplined to a person or to a set of principles. And, and discipline is, you know, I, I can feel down. I can have the, uh, you know, I can have the post-holiday blues or I can have the Monday blues. But I ask myself, you know, what's, what's important to me? And, and that's what keeps us going, the discipline to our purpose or to our objective. And then we ask ourselves, what can I do today that will make some progress? Um, if we don't feel that our effort Whatever effort we do, whether it's writing an email, whether it's going for a run, if we don't feel that our effort is going to move us forwards, then there is no demotivation. So we have to bring on on our low days, bring ourselves down to what can I achieve that will get me some progress? Lao Tzu said, you know, a journey of a thousand miles starts with one step. Pick something today that you can do the first thing. If it's get off to the couch and turn off the TV, well, then you had, an, you had a win. If it is uh, starting a project and opening up the document, then you feel motivated. I've done the first step. And, and that's the key is have a purpose, have a, an objective, and do something that you can celebrate. I took the first step. Andrew, I, that's my, my favorite quote from Lao Tzu, and, and I love his other, which is every battle is won or fought before it's ever fought. Every battle is won or lost before it's ever fought, right? So, And I think what you're talking about and, and Moreno tapping into Goggins and all of the great leaders, and we're talking about leadership here, have really, you know, in, in many ways, I think whether they've realized it or not, tapped into the quantum and, and that's where things are, right? It's not the conscious idea of things. It's much, much, much earlier. And, and the subconscious and sometimes even the unconscious mind that creates that thing, that prime mover, what Aristotle and Socrates talked about, that get things going. And so when we talk about that, it's like, what is that thing 
that gets us going, that thought, that initial spark, that idea. And you talk about here, it's that, you know, whatever that expectation is for mindset, I'd, I'd like to be the greatest runner. I'd like to be worth a billion dollars. I'd like this, that it's a thought, which is some aspect of energy. And that energy then translates into another thought and another thought, and then a movement and we get out, we start running and we start building businesses. How do we get to that point where we can get ourselves? Is it through, you know, meditation for me is what works. But how do we get ourselves to that point where we can understand who we are enough to understand what works for us? Okay, again, great question. So the I wrote the New Leadership Playbook um, because my previous work had been in the area of self-leadership, and I believe you can't lead others unless you first lead yourself, right? So how do we lead ourselves? Well, in my 2012 book entitled Self-Leadership, with my co-author, Dr. Anna Kazan, we define self-leadership as a practice, the practice of intentionally influencing your thinking, feeling, and actions towards your objectives. So an intention precedes the thought. Um, you know, you talked about quantum, whatever you want to label it. We we talked about motivation, and it is an intention that drive us, drives us towards an objective. Now, how do you get to your intentionality? meditation, reflection, journaling, um, or an epiphany on the road to Damascus. You know, we have a moment ago, my purpose is, you know, the reason I exist is. Otherwise, we're a passenger in life. We're a, we're a leaf being drifting down a, down a river. The moment we say, I want to be the driver of my life, I want to step in, take control, and with that, take on the ownership and the responsibility that's where the intentionality starts, right? It's, it's easy to sit in the back and be a passenger and blame, complain, and be the victim. But the moment you say, okay, I'm going to take ownership, right? The cards may not have been dealt the way I want them. Maybe in poker you get a two and a seven uh, before you start, and you go, well, that sucks. That's the worst hand possible. But as we know, it's the way we play them. So we get intentional. We think about what's my objective? What am I thinking about this? What's my narrative? Does it serve me? You know, the great coaching question, does this serve me? And then we move forwards. And last question. Um, intention is one thing. I see intention with five levels of not only what we do, say, think, believe, and feel in a trajectory towards what we think we want. But there's a combination that occurs in your book that you teach is, uh, and I see a lot of these people, I call them good starters. Right. A lot of people have good intent, but right. They, you, you list out all the things they say they're going to do. And, you know, here you are five years later and it's like, you haven't written a book. You don't have a podcast. You don't speak, you don't coach, you don't. Right. And it's like, I don't want to coach you. Uh, but the reconciliation of intention plus influence, um, how yep. do we take the next step of intention and give influence? So, Influence, we, we start by influencing ourselves. We, we influence our own thinking, feeling, words, and actions. And we notice that we have an impact on those around us, right? Whether it's in your family, whether it's in your team, there is an extension. So understanding that the person with the strongest intention will always influence the outcome. Simple example, it's Friday night. You're, you know, you're out with friends. Somebody says, oh, I'm hungry. Should we go eat? And then there's the question, great, where do we eat? 
And and somebody goes, well, I don't care, whatever you want. And somebody else says, well, you know, what about pizza? And somebody else says, oh, there's this great new Korean barbecue. I hear it's amazing. It's got great prices, great atmosphere. And, and, I, and I, have a, I have a voucher. Are we going for Kentucky Fried Chicken? No, we're going to the Korean barbecue because somebody has the strongest intention. And the start of intention is to see an objective and outcome that others have not yet seen. And, and when you can start seeing, and that's what leadership is about. We talk about vision and say, this is possible. And the moment you have that, since most people live lives of quiet desperation, the moment you have an objective, hey, we're going to the Korean barbecue, or we're going to the party, or we're going to develop this business, or we're going to collaborate on this project, the moment you have that kind of vision and can communicate it, then you will have followers. I love it. Or ambassadors, even better than followers, as yeah. I would say. Andrew Bryant, the founder of Self Leadership International. Uh, you have to get this book, The New Leadership Playbook. It's selfleadership.com. Anywhere else people can find the book, uh, there's a website, The New Leadership uh, Playbook.com. Yes. So if you just want to find out about the book, The New Leadership Playbook.com, it's available through all online stores. And uh, but selfleadership.com for you know all of my work around the practice of intentionally influencing your thinking, feeling, and actions towards your objectives. You give meaning to everything you see. You can't find outside of you what you can't find inside of you, and you can find it inside of this book. Thanks for joining us, Andrew. We appreciate you. Awesome. Thank you. Well, he ran up the score for us, didn't he, man? All those good questions you guys had. That was awesome. I'm making a scoreboard. You know, we don't have a, a logo. You know, uh, Blaine has his logo. Mike Diamond has his logo. We, we don't have, you know, a, a logo over here. Maybe we'll just put a score clock. Yeah. <laughs> That'd be cool. All right. We got to finish by 6 o'clock. And when we don't, it's going to be I'm accountable uh, and responsible, response-able so let's bring on our final extraordinary guest today. Bill Snyder's in the house, CEO of Vivante, Vivante Health. We have a little health theme going on, if you haven't noticed, guys. So our takeaways should be fast and eat easy. And I think Bill is going to bring it home. Um, Bill, the stomach uh, in Eastern philosophy, in Eastern medicine, has always been the source the stomach, the gut, the, in Chinese culture, it's called the main ming. Uh, and we are just realizing that here in the West of the importance of our gut. And you hear all the time, gut health. Uh, and that gut is directly related to the heart and to the mind and to uh, the brain. Um, you really have a new uh, GI Thrive program uh, that specifically addresses the dis-ease uh, that can be created by not having a healthy gut. Um, give me a little bit of the statistics about the dis-ease and health issues just in America alone, uh, how many people, how much it's costing us that we haven't quite transitioned the importance of the main Ming or our gut, gut health. Yeah, David, thanks so much for having me on. Thanks, guys. Great to talk to you today because this is, uh, it, it, it's, it's, pretty wild how important this is um, because it does, it affects everybody, right? It's, it's what you're, uh, it's what you're eating. It's how your body's responding to food. It's also the, the mind gut connection. And so we'll talk a little bit about that uh, given time today. But um, I think just in terms of the scope of the problem in the U S alone, uh, over 70 million people in the U S are diagnosed with a chronic digestive condition. 
And so that can be things like um, ulcerative colitis or Crohn's disease or irritable bowel syndrome or GERD. Uh, but there's a huge population out there that's uh, non-diagnosed as well. So uh, we think about the impact just from the levels alone. It's a huge uh, cost on the healthcare system, on individuals who suffer from these conditions. But then more importantly, everybody either has some type of digestive issue or has met somebody who has a digestive issue. And so when I think about what I've seen in, in my family, my loved ones, uh, it's these are conditions or these are symptoms that people think that they have to live with. And they're, you know, they've spent 30 years trying to figure out, okay, how do I improve my digestive health uh, to, to improve my overall health and well-being? And so we're, it, it's, a, it's early here uh, in the U.S. in terms of understanding these conditions and, and identifying trigger foods, identifying what causes inflammation in the gut. Um, and so uh, we're excited to be on the front lines here because uh, it, it impacts so many people and it's a, it's a everyday impact. It's not something that just happens once a month or once every six months. These are, these are conditions that impact the lives of individuals. Bill, you know, I guess one of the common themes we've heard all morning is Americans are unhealthy and that we are way <laughs> behind the eight ball with, with many of these, these things. Um, so what is the most contributing, the most common contributing factor to just our poor gut health overall in this country? And then what small changes can, can everyone make to, to make an incremental improvement? Uh, yeah, so David, it's a good question. And I think it's like, I mean, this is going to sound so basic, but it, but it really is understanding nutrition. Um, and there's so much information out there. And honestly, uh, you know, there, there's a lot of misinformation out there about what is quote unquote healthy. And so it's understanding what works for you. It's the personalization. We're all different. Every, every single individual is completely unique. And the way our body reacts to different nutrients and the food that we eat uh, as we digest um, everything that we put into our systems is going to be completely unique. So I think it's understanding what your body responds to. Uh, and it's identifying those trigger foods that cause things like inflammation or cause things that, uh, that create um, not only physical uh, issues, but also mental health issues. I mean, you can see the gut brain connection. So, uh, what I, what I tell everyone is it's about reflection. Uh, you know, I know David talks about making a billion people happy. And, uh, and I think that that's a, there's a strong correlation to nutrition and the way we think about the food that goes into our body. So what, what I tell everyone is start simple, write down what you eat every day for one day. And if you can write down for one day, what you eat, and look at it, and I mean literally, right, everything that goes into your body, you'll be shocked. Because most people say, oh, I eat pretty healthy, and, and they don't realize, well, I just finished half a bowl of my kid's mac and cheese when I wasn't thinking about it right before bed, and then I didn't sleep well. What was the trigger that caused me to be up and, and, and be thinking about stuff all night? So that's my, that's my little, little tip, is write down for just one day what you eat and what you put in your body for 24 hours. And I think most people will be astounded. Bill, I absolutely agree with you. And good morning. You know, I, I look back and, and I'm thinking about when I, I, you know, started really thinking about my health. And I went to a doctor. I was guilty of, you know, as a trial lawyer, I was, um, you know, building out a law firm and I was trying to become successful and make money. Yay, yay, yay. And there was blood in my stool and I couldn't function and, and what was happening. And I went to my doctor and he said, you know, take these pills, take these pills. 
And I said, okay, I'll get back to you on that. And then I went to an acupuncturist who I'd been seeing for 15 years just for overall health. And that's exactly what he said. He said, what did you eat today? What did you eat yesterday? What did you eat last week? And it, it was mind blowing the Eastern approach versus the Western approach. One is proactive. One is reactive. One is treat the symptom. One is treat the source. And, and so for me, that became, you know, a pivotal point in my life to start figuring out if you put diesel in a gasoline engine, the car doesn't run. It's that simple. I mean, there's nothing more to it. But also it was really, you know, frustrating. I'm here in North Carolina. I'm stopping at a family member's house before I go up to the Northeast. And, you know, my sister said, you know, the next time you come through, can you come to our school and, and speak to the kids? And I said, yeah, we were talking about diet last night. And I said, I'm going to bring a turnip. And I'm going to bring a $100 bill and I'm going to hold the turnip up. And whoever can tell me what this vegetable is, I'm going to give them $100. And unfortunately, I don't think maybe hopefully somebody will get the money, but I don't know that somebody will. And so how do we start getting our the next generation focused on this? Because it's so important as to the effect of diet on our health, mental and physical. Yeah, Mike. So first of all, I want to hear what happens with that. Because I'm, I, I definitely want to hear the post on. Okay. Does anyone get that hundred dollars? Because I think that's so core. And you know, we used to uh, have nutrition as part of physical education. You know, when I was growing up, you know, they talked about nutrition in school. So I think that's it's it's really important for us to start to engage the youth and talk about, uh, hey, what what does nutrition mean? What does health mean? Because there's kids that are growing up today that think soda in the morning. And throughout the day is kind of a, a natural fluid. And so I think it starts with education at home. Uh, and it, it starts with holding ourselves accountable in terms of making sure that our kids are eating the right things and understanding what it does to their bodies. Uh, and, and the more that we can do with the youth, uh, that's probably the biggest opportunity that we have to improve the health for, for future generations. So, uh, so I'll, I'll be looking for that post. And I, I hope somebody gets that $100. Likewise. Me too. Uh, last question, Bill. Um, it's so interesting just on the show alone. My initial fear-based reaction is feeling overwhelmed. And that's just on the show in 50 minutes. That, you know, I'm focusing on my head, my health, my skin. My, my, it's like, whoa, 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 whoa. And I can't imagine being a fifth grader, uh, which I used to get overwhelmed looking at the four, ba- four basic food groups, which... As I got older and older, people would argue, no, these aren't the four basic food groups. These are bad for you. These are good for you. Oh, no, these are good for you. And those are bad for you. And so on and so forth. Um, To take a step back, someone who is a professional, and I know historically the importance of gut health. I also know the importance of balance. I also flexibility. I also know the importance of meditation. Oh, then you got exercise as well. And then, of course, we have you know, kindness and gratitude and forgiveness and the list can go on and on. Um, how do we teach people to prioritize? See, you're always going to feel overwhelmed with so many options, opportunities and touches of favor. So many people telling us what's good, what's bad, what's indifferent. But one of the common denominators in this show is that it is personalized. And so therefore, what I believe we should be teaching is prioritize prioritize for what you want from the data that you've received. So, you know, and not, not to say ignore the other things, if your priority is, you know, uh, 
a, a mindset, then you should spend more time on meditation than on flexibility. But you still should spend five minutes a day on flexibility. And people get caught. I mean, I, I go through my non-negotiables and they're two hours and 17 minutes. Those are my non-negotiables in life. That, that encompasses all of these things from gut health to mindset to it's two hours to family to, to understanding activity I get paid for. Two hours and 17 minutes. That leaves 21 hours and 43 minutes of the rest of my day to react and reprioritize uh, to be productive, effective. In a, in, uh, how, you know, being an expert in this uh, health space, do we teach people a step beyond what is healthy just to prioritize what's best for them? Uh, so, David, I'll, I'll, I'm going to tell you two things. Um, so, number one, I think you do a really good job about uh, talking about prioritization and talking about prioritizing the important stuff. You always talk about gratitude. Right. And I think like that simple, I think it, it, there, there's simple steps. There's simple steps to look at. Hey, this is what you should prioritize every day. You talk about getting up every day and going to bed every day saying thank you. Um, and it's funny because that resonates with, you know, the old thing I tell my kids every day is uh, thank you and please go a long way. And it's you, you, and I think about that externally and how people view my kids as they grow and they develop. But it's it's also internal. As you show gratitude, I think that's a, a great way to to achieve happiness. Uh, so I think it's it's so I think you do a really good job talking about what you should prioritize in life. Uh, I think the second thing is it's it's pro, it's the old progress, not perfection, right? I think it's 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 people understanding that you're going to have issues, you're going to have bumps. Like no one's life, anyone who says. Yep, I've never had an issue and everything's great and I can control my diet, I can control my health and everything's great uh, is either lying or, or delusional. Uh, we're, we all have bumps. We all have issues that we run into uh, every single day. And so I think it's understanding that like falling's okay, right? It's like we, we tell our kids when they when they fall on their skin, their knee and it's like, get up, you're going to be okay. It's the same thing with everything we practice every single day. You're going to run into hurdles, you're going to run into stumbles and it's about how you react. And so um, when people talk about nutrition and their gut health, they're going to have missteps, but it's about understanding that, reacting to it. And to your point, personalizing the experience saying, okay, how do I recover from that? And then how do I adjust what, whatever it is, whatever I prioritize every day, whether that is nutrition, whether that's mindfulness, whether that's spending more time with family um, that does correlate to better digestive health and better mental health. So I think, um, so, so it's, it's two things. It's prioritizing the stuff that you talk about, uh, day in, day out. And then the second thing that I would advocate for is, is that personalization and reflection to say, Hey, what fills up my cup? What, what makes me keep going? Uh, cause I'm, I'm going to have stumbles along the way. You got it. Bill Snyder, CEO of Avante health, helping all of us with a prioritization in health, which is our gut Let's go back to the Eastern philosophy of the main meaning. Let's take our sources of our gut, our heart, and our mind and get those aligned. And we will reduce uh, all of the inflammation or dis-ease that exists in the alignment with ourselves and the universe. Bill Snyder, come join us again. Thanks for, for everything that you do and allowing us to live longer, happier, healthier lives. Thank you, guys. Really appreciate the time today. Keep doing you what you're doing. Thank you. 
All right, we got to be out of here in six minutes. Who wants to go first for the takeaway of the day? I'll go. I'll go, Mike. All right. <laughs> David goes back to what we say all the time, right? Health is the ultimate wealth. And it was, you know, that was very, very clear to me years ago when I sat down with some, quote, very, very successful people, a table full of billionaires who were very unhealthy physically and emotionally, mentally, spiritually. And so it really didn't matter how much, how many commas are in your bank account, how much money you have, how many houses, what kind of car, all of that, if you don't have it. And it was, you know, you look at, you think about one of, when they asked the Dalai Lama, what's the most confounding thing about humanity? And he said that man chases money and uh, sacrifices their health in order to do that. And then they take all of that money and they try to recover or recuperate and, and spend all of that money trying to regain their health. So if we could focus on like what the guests talked about today, being a great leader, being a great entrepreneur, being a great friend, father, husband, whatever. It starts with you. It ends with you. Focus on your health physically, mentally, spiritually, and then financially. Got it. That's a good takeaway, Mike. Mine is quick, simple. Tupac Shakur. Let's change the way we eat, change the way we live, change the way we treat each other. See, the old way wasn't working, so it's time for us to make a change to survive. However, I'll just change that to live, right? Because we want to do more to survive. Yeah, and thrive, thrive. Uh, I would say as well. And it's just an affirmation and a confirmation for me. The takeaway is, you know, with all the different variables, opportunities, options, and touches of favor, all the different things that we need to focus in on in order to enjoy the consistent, everyday, persistent, without quit pursuit of our own potential, not other people's, not what's missing or what we don't have, not what's causing us disease. But understand that we are at ease and what are we doing to interfere with it? Uh, all of the great guests that we've had today take what we're to interfere with our natural homostasis, which is ease. May you both travel further at ease. Hopefully I'll see you at training in an hour and two minutes from now. Thank you for making sure that we finished on time. I appreciate that immensely. The great Mike Mamola and Dave Marino in their white golf shirts. We'll see you guys soon. <laughs> thank you thank you thank you all right we got training in an hour and one minute uh today's training we got great guests coming on you'll be amazed and a little q a at the end you can join us on every platform i think we reached sixty-eight thousand people registered for training always a blessing uh please if you need anything just email me